Welcome to the Sale Street Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. And for more information about our church, visit salestreet.org. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the lord comes the great and magnificent day and shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the lord shall be saved men of israel hear these words jesus of nazareth a man attested to you by god with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you saw, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life, that you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven, into the heavens, but he himself said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter that the rest of the apostles Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you'd be merciful towards us in this time and that you would open our hearts 
that you would incline our hearts to your word, God, that we would be able to see the mysteries of the gospel, that we would love Jesus more, that our affections would be stirred for you, God, that we can even more walk in obedience and faithfulness, God. God, I pray that we would, that you would be with Lucas, God, that you would give him words to speak, that we might be edified, and that we would walk towards a life looking more like Jesus. God, I pray that we would, that we would eliminate distractions, God, and that we would pay attention to everything that you have to tell us today. That God, that your, your word, your breath coming to us is one of the most amazing and important things in our lives, God. I'm so glad that we get to gather together. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I praise the Lord, and thank you guys for leading us in just a spirit-filled time of singing. Man, that was good. I really enjoyed that. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to the passage that Sam just read in Acts chapter 2, uh, 14 through 41, and maybe pull it up on your phone, however you, you have a, a copy of the Scripture. That's always helpful um, when someone is preaching the Scriptures, right? Some folks preaching, you don't need it, but I hope you need it today to follow along uh, with the sermon. Uh, if you're visiting, man, I heard we had folks come in from last night from California, right? Praise the Lord. Thank you guys for coming in and, and helping and for all of our Samaritan's Purse crew, but also, uh, it's just good to be together with believers from all over to, to worship and to hear from the Lord uh, this morning. If you're new here, uh, we're going through the book of Acts, and uh, that's our sermon series. It'll be for the next several months. It's an exciting time of transformation uh, here at Sell Street. Hopefully, you got a copy of that flyer this morning as you came in. As, as I shared with our preacher team this morning as we met to pray, it's almost like those those pictures that look kind of like a blur on the wall, and the longer you stare at them, the, the, the better you can kind of see what's there, right? It's like you're starting to come into focus a little bit of what the Lord is really transforming us into here at Cell Street, and I'm excited about it. But we're preaching through the book of Acts just expecting the Lord to transform us in all kinds of ways, right? That he would just draw us close to him, close to one another, that we would would be a New Testament church just like we saw in the book of Acts. And in this passage, really, we see the church born, right? And then in the book of Acts, that's, um, that's what we see. Acts 1-8 is, is fulfilled. Jesus said that, that the Holy Spirit would come in power and that we would be witnesses. And I'll be dog if that's not exactly what happened in those 28 chapters, right? The Spirit came... They were witnesses, and the gospel went, started in Jerusalem, just like he said, went to Judea and then to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And praise God, we, uh, we are the beneficiaries of that, right? We've heard the gospel because the Spirit empowered somebody to preach the gospel to us. And I'm so thankful for that, just the grace of God that we even get to hear the gospel. Now, so far in the book of Acts, we've heard from several people, but in Acts chapter 1, we saw Jesus said the, the Spirit was coming. They chose some new leaders. Last week, Andrew preached, and the tongues of fire fell, and like the Spirit came, and supernatural things started happening, and we, we finished up in verse 13, right? They were like, man, these people must be drunk. They're out of their minds. They're not acting natural, right? So Peter picks up here in verse 14, and, and he kind of responds to him, right? He's like, no, 
They're not drunk. And so he begins to preach the gospel. Now, if you don't know anything about Peter, I want to just give a quick synopsis of his life because I think that's important to consider. Peter, of course, was a witness. He walked with Jesus. He made a lot of mistakes. A lot of times we think about those, right? And I mean, he just, uh, it's been said about him, he had a foot-shaped mouth, right? I mean, he really, he really said some things he wished he hadn't said. He denied Christ. He took his eyes off of him. He, he just acted, you know, too hastily at times, but, and I'm sure we can all relate to that. But Peter's life really changed when he went to an empty tomb. When he went to that empty tomb, everything changed. He didn't have a, a foot-shaped mouth anymore. I like to think he had a cross-shaped mouth, and we see that here, man. I mean, it. look, from that point on, he was faithful. He was called to preach the gospel to the Jews. We see that uh, throughout Scripture, this being the first place, but it changed his life forever, and that I mean, for every believer, that should be our testimony, right? An empty tomb changed our life in such a way that we are witnesses to that fact. And we proclaim it, and it's good. And we preach it to ourselves, and we preach it to our friends and, and neighbors, and we sing it like we've done uh, this morning. But there's a, a simple outline I'll share with you this morning from Acts chapter 2, verses 14 uh, through 41. The first two things are, are what Peter was communicating to them. He said this was the moment. Right, that so many have been speaking of. And then he said, this is the man, Jesus, right, who we've been waiting for. And for us today, this, this is the message. This is the message that we have heard. This is the message that we have believed. This is the message that we preach. And this is why we're here to worship today. So beginning in verse 14, Peter says, but Peter's Standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice, addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And then he shares what Joel prophesied. Basically, Joel preached a message of repentance to the nation of Judah, but he said there's coming a day when God's going to pour out his spirit on the people. And what Peter was saying to those Jews was this is that moment. This is that moment. Now, if you've ever known any Jews, practicing Jews, I'm not talking about Jews who have believed in the gospel and what we'd call maybe Messianic Jews, but practicing Jews today are some of the most difficult people to witness to that I've ever come across. I mean, it literally takes a supernatural act of God, which is the case with all of us, to convince them that Jesus is the Messiah because they are devoted people. I mean, they, they have a strict calendar that they follow. They practice all the, the customs and traditions. They celebrate all the festivals, and they, you know, have special diets. And I mean, these are some religious people. So to convince them that, no, these folks aren't drunk. This is the spirit that Joel was talking about. It was a work of God, and it's, it's a work of God today. And the reason is, is because they're in bondage to the law. They know the Torah, right? Those, 
those scriptures in the Old Testament that, that spell out all these laws and ceremonies that, that, that they had to follow, they know it. They know it better than, than most of us. But what they don't believe is that Jesus is the Messiah and that that was the day of Pentecost. You see, the, the Feast of Pentecost, if you ever read in, in Leviticus 23, I encourage you to study all of those feasts, but they celebrated that, that 50th day after Passover religiously every single year. And that was this day, right? It, it had been a week of weeks, right? And that was a, just a, the, the perf, perfection of perfection, if you will, right? Seven times seven is 49. This was that 50th day after the resurrection of Jesus. And the Feast of Pentecost was literally being fulfilled before their eyes. What, what, what sometimes is hard to recognize is that what God said is going to happen is actually happening. And that's what Peter was doing. He's saying, this is the moment right now and I, I believe that we now we see that even today I was uh, studying scripture with my friend Justin on on Friday and Justin grew up in a Baptist church in in Tyler Texas and he was baptized at like eight years old and and then he turned into an atheist man he hated he hated he didn't believe a word of the Bible and he was telling me he shared with me just this week that it wasn't until he was studying the book of Daniel and someone showed him how those dreams of Nebuchadnezzar had literally been fulfilled over time. And he said, man, that's when I believed the Bible. When I saw what had been prophesied actually came true. That's what, that's what Peter's saying right here. Guys, what's been prophesied by your hero prophets is coming true right now. And the scriptures are filled with those kind of examples. And I would say today, in ever-increasing numbers, people are more willing to say, I don't believe the Bible. I can't tell you how many people that I've met recently that say, I just don't believe it. And Peter didn't didn't enter into some apologetic debate to try to prove whether this was true or not, right? He said, man, this book has proven itself true. Over and over and over. We see what Jesus said in Acts 1, verse 5 and verse 8 about the Spirit coming was being fulfilled in this moment. What Joel said in chapter 2 is what Peter used to, to confirm this. We we know what Jesus said about the Spirit, John 14 and 15 and 16, about how it would come and you won't be orphans and it'll be your helper and it'll be your comforter and it'll convict you of sin and righteousness and judgment. It'll reveal the truth of the Scripture to you. All of these things have been fulfilled. In Ezekiel 36, 26, when he says, hey, I'll give you a new spirit, right? I'll, I'll put a new spirit in you or put my spirit in you and give you a new heart and replace that heart of stone with a heart of flesh and you'll... You'll be able to keep my commandments. All of those things came true, and, and so many in, of the prophecies in Scripture have already come true that we can absolutely believe the Word of God. And there's a lot more that are yet to come true, and we can put our hope in that because it's proven itself true over and over and over. And Peter was just re 
reemphasizing that. Man, when we understand that every bull and goat and lamb and pigeon and dove that was ever killed and sacrificed and its blood was presented for the atonement of sin was simply just pointing forward to that moment when Jesus did come and die and was buried and rose on the third day and this 50 days later the Spirit descended. This was the moment and the, the theme of our, our series is the church then and now. This was the moment the church went from the church then to the church now. It was no longer come and see at the tabernacle. It was go and tell of Jesus. And that's a huge transition, right? The same spirit that came on this day is the same spirit that fills the heart of every believer today and forevermore until Jesus comes back and takes us home. And there's great hope and assurance in that. We know that the, the scriptures are not just a fairy tale or a fable because of that. They're alive. They're active. They have proven themselves true. And that's, that's transformational. This moment was absolutely transformational in all of eternity. But Peter, he didn't stop there. He went on to preach and communicate to these folks that this was not only the moment, but that this was the man. This wasn't just the time that God had appointed, but Jesus was the one that God had appointed to fulfill the law on our behalf. Because we couldn't do it. We can't do it today. They can't do it today. They couldn't do it then. And Peter, man, beautifully, beautifully reminds them. Of course, he saw it with his own eyes. Verse 22, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosened the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And then, in verse 25, he reminds them about their, their patriarch, David, right? That great hero of the faith that the Jews looked to. And he, he says, remember what David said. I saw the Lord. This is Psalm 16. He's quoting Always before me, for he's at my right hand that may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. What Peter's saying is, David wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about Jesus. Verse 29, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Peter had been to Jesus' empty tomb, but David's tomb wasn't empty, and he reminds him of that. He's, he's still laying there. 
Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from, Father, from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit is poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. The only way that the Spirit could come was that the Passover could come, right? Or had come. Jesus came and he died and was buried and he rose on the third day and he was both Lord and Christ and they had crucified him. And that is what we put all of our hope and trust in. Jesus, through his person, who he was, and his work, what he did that he alone could do, made a way, not only for them, but for us to be reconciled to a holy, pure, and perfect God. No longer could they trust in their works and their knowledge and their offerings and their temple attendance or their obedience. This man was greater than David. He was greater than anyone else that we could ever point to. He is Lord and Christ. There's none, none like him. He was the Son of God. He was the sinless, spotless, blemish-free Lamb of God. And it's not, it's not that He's just a big part of our life. He's everything to us, right? I love what one preacher said, that the gospel's not the diving board that we jump off of. It's the pool that we jump into. We are baptized into Christ. We are immersed in Him. It's so important that we embrace that. Now in verses 37 through 41, He, he finishes up and, and just we see the work, really the power of the gospel, right? In those first few verses we see the presentation of it, but in these last ones we see that this is the message that contains all the power necessary to save. Verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them. 
saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. You want to talk about a guy that preached Christ and him crucified? That's what Peter did. And that's, that's what we're to do. And that's our only hope. And when it is done, the power of God is unleashed and the hearts of people are changed. It says they were cut to the heart. If you're a believer, you, you remember that. You remember that. You were cut to the heart when you heard the gospel. If you're here today and you're an unbeliever, you've, heard, you've already heard the gospel. And I pray that you're cut to the heart and, and that you're asking the very question that they did. Brothers, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized. That's what he said. There's a message here that we, we must hear and believe. And when we do, we'll preach it to ourselves and we'll preach it to others around us. And my friends, we, we've got to truly believe that. It, it's, it's not just something we need to obey. It is, it is the power of God that saves. The gospel, the reason we're not ashamed of the gospel is because it is the power of God to save. And when we see lost people doing what lost people do, we can't just tell them they need to do better. They've got to hear the gospel. They'll never do better. I had to hear the gospel. I never could have done better. I need to hear the gospel over and over so that I continue to do better. And what, what Peter didn't do in this think it's worth mentioning is Peter didn't look at verse number 21 and say now it says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved now I wonder if he really meant everyone maybe we should just stop and sit on that for a few months and talk about it he didn't look at verse number 39 and say for the promises for you and your children for all who are far of everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself I wonder who that everyone is that the Lord calls to himself and May we all just argue about that a while. And he didn't say like, man, Acts 2.38, you'll see it on the back of vehicles and stuff. I'm telling you, as a pastor, you get all kinds of special treatment. And one of those is you get nasty letters from time to time. And I used to get about twice a year a letter from somebody or some people that they wouldn't put their return address on there, or I'd love to have had a conversation with them. But here's what it would say. Acts 2.38 says every person needs to be baptized in the name of Jesus, and you're down there baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you need to do it right. They're not saved. You people are not saved because you hadn't been baptized in Jesus' name. The same Jesus that said, go therefore and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But literally... They're hung up on Acts 2.38 saying you, you, you're baptizing folks wrong. To heck with the gospel. You, you, you catch my drift here? 
Like, like the gospel isn't something we should just really split hairs over and, and really get hung up on instead of getting out and preaching it to a lost and dying world. Man, it brings us together. Why? Because we all need it. And if we have received it in power and we have put our faith and our hope in Jesus Christ alone, my friends, there's nothing to argue about. Peter, he preached the gospel. I know it, it almost sounds old-fashioned, right? But we must be a people who not only believe the gospel, but preach it. He had literally seen with his own eyes the power of God and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and he let some folks know about it. And when he did, it changed them forever. 3,000 of them. And if we want to see the power of God at work in Lake Charles, Louisiana, we're going to have to preach the gospel. If we want teenagers to stop killing one another, we're going to have to preach the gospel. If we want to see the church at Cell Street grow, we're going to have to preach the gospel. If we want to see the power of God in our homes and in our marriages, and in our neighbors' homes and in their marriages, the gospel is going to have to be at the very center of all of that. And we use the word gospel a lot now, but I don't think we really define it very often. Like it's easy to say, you know, we, we need to be all about the gospel. What is it? Man, Peter explains it pretty well. Death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So it's not a... It's not a buzzword. It's about a moment in time and a man who hung on the cross in that moment three days later was raised from the grave. If we want to see the power of, of God in Lake Charles, we can't call down to City Hall and tell them we need to do things differently through the government in the city of Lake Charles. We're going to have to preach the gospel. when we do, we can do it expectantly. We do it in obedience to the Spirit's leading. People are going to ask, what must I do to be saved? And when they do, we need to be ready to give them an answer. Repent and be baptized. 3,000 were saved. Now, just think about that. There again, sometimes we get hung up on things that Peter didn't even have a clue about, right? I mean, it, he, he didn't have a nursery. He didn't have LED lights. He didn't have a wireless microphone. He didn't have a PowerPoint presentation. He didn't have a Facebook live stream. That man stood flat-footed and preached the gospel to 3,000 people, and they got saved. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things I mentioned. But we can have all of that and no gospel and we'll never see the power of God. We, we can have the, the, 
the most well-oiled machine at Cell Street Baptist Church and everything can go on time and in order and we can totally miss it. We must hear, believe, and preach the gospel. And to repent simply means a change of mind. But it's a supernatural kind of change of mind. It's, it's to change your mind about who you are and who Jesus is. It's to change your mind about sin. And it's, it's not a trick, right? Peter didn't play some slow music and turn the lights down, tell them bow their heads and raise their hands if they were feeling kind of funny or anything like that. Man, the Spirit did everything that was necessary. It cut them to the heart. Three thousand of them received his word, were baptized, and were added that day. Now, sometimes we'll read this passage, I'm afraid, and and say, man, I sure wish it was like that today. I want to tell you, it is. The gospel contains as much power today as it did 50 days after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I mean, I could testify that it may not happen right now, but I've seen it. Like, I've literally seen 5,000 people come to Christ because they heard the gospel. And it's a glorious thing. But it's a glorious thing that one person hears the gospel. It's, it's just as miraculous. So we've got to preach it. We've got to trust the Lord to do what only He can. What a promise we have. For the promises for you, for your children, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. And He exhorted them. I love this. Save yourselves from this crooked generation. I mean, He didn't just say, you know, if the Lord's dealing with you, just work it out. No. He said, if that's you, repent, be baptized, save yourself, respond to the gospel. And I would encourage you with the same thing this morning. If you are cut to the heart because you have heard the word this morning and you are saying, what must I do to be saved? My friends, I exhort you, right? I encourage you, don't leave this place the same that you came in. Repent. Man, we... I don't know if we got any water in that baptistry. We can get some in there as soon as we can. Trust in Him. Repent. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe there's a lost friend or neighbor that you're sitting there thinking about and saying, man, I wish old so-and-so was here this morning to hear the gospel. Man, text them. Call them. You can leave right now. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Go out in the lobby. Call it. Share the gospel with them. Go see them doesn't have to happen from a platform in a sanctuary. I think some of us here today should just be reminded, man, it's, it's only by the grace of God that we have heard the gospel. We need to be reminded that in that moment 2,000 years ago, the wrath of God was taken upon the body of His Son, he was crucified, buried, and rose on the third day so that our sins could be forgiven. 
that we have received this same Holy Spirit, and that's, that's why we're here today to worship. And so as we close this morning, I just, I just want to remind you what Peter said. We can believe the Word of God because it has been proven. It was proven in that moment that he was reminding them of and many more. It's proven in this moment. And you can trust it. He reminded them that Jesus was the only man who could satisfy the law of God. Because he was the only man who ever lived without sin. And he did. He was crucified. By his grace, he stood in our place. And that not one person will ever enter the kingdom of God without faith and repentance. So I want to close in a time of prayer and then we'll sing some more, but the altars are open. If you need to come and pray, feel free. There'll be some men standing here this morning as we close. If you've been cut to the heart by the message of the gospel, you're saying, what must I do to be saved? And The answer is repent and be baptized, but Let one of us know. We we want to baptize you. Maybe maybe there's just something someone could pray for you about. We'll be happy to do that. And it doesn't just have to be in this moment. We'll be hanging around for a while afterwards or any time you can reach any of us. But I think it's important that we respond. Because each of us have our own individual lives. But it's that we take a moment and, and respond to to the words of scripture that we've heard this morning. So I'll, I'll lead us in a time of prayer, but I want to encourage you to respond however you need to this morning, however the Spirit of God might be dealing with you, right? That's the beauty of the Spirit is that it's everywhere all the time. We can't escape it. But the Spirit's dealing with me personally about things, and I pray it's dealing with you personally about things. It might be good things or bad things. But that truly just respond if we can help you do that this morning we want to do so even as we close in song so let's just bow together and let's just pray Father you have given us far more than we've ever deserved Consider even the love that I have for my sons who are far from perfect have never sat upon the throne of the universe who I cling closely to, Father and to know that your son you gave up for us that our sins nailed him to the tree so that your grace could wash them away. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for making a way for us to come to you. Thank you for your spirit, Father. I pray that it would truly make anything that may be wrong in us, that it would make it right. 
that it would bring us to a place of worship and that your name would be exalted above every other name. Father, may we be a people who preach the gospel for your sake. Father, I pray that you bring, bring revival to this place called Lake Charles. Lord, I pray that you continue to draw us closer to you. And that through that, we may know you better. We love you. We praise you. We worship you this morning. In Jesus' name.